0: Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 3 and 4. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, you know. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, O dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Father, um, I pray that throughout this message and at the end of the message, and throughout our our days that we will hear the word of the Lord. And by that, by that hearing of the word of the Lord, that you might impart your life to us. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, that the word of the Lord will impart life. Your word is life-giving. The word of the Lord, the word of God is alive and powerful. And And Jesus, you said... My words uh, impart life. Uh, and so, Father, we pray for that today and pray that the, the words, just as, as the word in Ezekiel's day imparted life to the dry bones, that Lord, the word of the Lord will impart life to us today. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be seated, please. Someone a, a while back, a long time ago, called me a Renaissance man. I had to look that up. I didn't even know what that meant, and uh, it means, according to the dictionary, it's someone with many talents or areas of knowledge, and I'm not so sure about that. I, you know, I looked at that, and I thought, eh, you know, I have, I have a lot of interests, but, you know, I'm not sure about the talents and all that. The, the problem is, is that, that I have a lot of interests over the years, but the problem is the fascination for one particular thing will, will die out over time. For instance, let me give you a few examples. A long time ago, my brother got me interested in, in amateur radio. He gave me my granddad's uh, ham radio set. And so I jumped in along with him, and I took the initial tests, and I took more tests, and I took more tests. And when you get higher and higher, you have to learn Morse code. And so I was able to do the final test, the highest test, uh, at, you know do Morse code at 20 words per minute, and passed that and got the highest I could get into amateur radio and haven't used it since then and if I had heard if I heard five words per minute uh, Morse code I could not translate it so I you know once I achieved that the as high as you could go I mean I can give tests now that's how I got but I thought okay I'm done with that let's move on to something else and so that I did that for a while and then I, a number of years ago, somebody in our church got several of us interested in playing disc golf. I remember seeing him one day on the on the course on the junior high, and he had a bag with a bunch of discs in it. And I thought, what a nerd, you know. And then I eventually bought a, a bag with bought a bunch of exotic discs, and I, I studied it and I watched videos on it, and got decent at it. And and uh, today, anybody want a free bag of discs? You can have it because. Uh, hmm yep yeah. I did I did organic gardening for a few years uh learned how to break bake bake artisan bread with my own sourdough starter that I started myself I started building computers a few years ago I did I was a cowboy on a 20,000 acre ranch in my younger days a few years ago I got interested in woodworking so I, I built a few things I built a, a chest of drawers for my closet with self-closing drawers and the whole works. And I had to buy woodworking tools to do that. And now those woodworking tools sit collecting dust and not the good kind of dust, not sawdust, but just dust. And so I'll probably end up selling those <laughs> before long. And, and besides that, who could afford lumber these days? But uh, the point is, the point is in all of this, though I have done a lot of things and have, a, have had a lot of interest and I I can't imagine, you know, living as long as some of the guys in the Old Testament, you know, eight, eight or 900 years old. I'm thinking, what kind of interest could I be, get involved in for, if I lived another, you know, seven or 800 years? Um, but that's, that's a different story. But the point of all this is it, it, that it seems no matter how excited that I got about each one of those things and just poured myself into it, usually that excitement dies out over time. And it's like, ho-hum, move on to something else. In other words, passion diminishes. And sadly, it even diminishes spiritually, doesn't it? I mean, imagine where you are now with the way you were when you first came to know the Lord. And though we may feel closer to the Lord in many ways, and maybe we we have a lot more knowledge, and I'm getting ahead of myself now. This is later on in the message. But just think about that for a moment. I started a series uh, three weeks ago. Last week, uh, I asked this question. The series is titled, Can These Bones Live? And that's the series title. And last week, I I, uh, ended with uh, this great question, God's question to Ezekiel after he took him to the Valley of Dry Bones and said, you know, looked this over, took him around and around throughout the dry bones, and then he asked him this this amazing question, this question that uh, wasn't rhetorical. He wanted an answer, uh, can these bones live? And Ezekiel's great response we talked about last week, and Ezekiel's great response was, oh Lord God, you know, and uh, we talked about that and how I look at that as is, is Ezekiel's great trust in the God who who does know everything and and I think we all need to get to that point where we, where we trust that God knows what we need more than we know what we need. And we think we know what we need sometimes. And so we get this and we get that and we, we do this and we, we pour ourselves into this and we think we know what we need. And God's saying, uh-uh, no, uh-uh, no. God knows. God knows. And so, God, you know, Ezekiel was right. The truth is God does know and we don't always know. I mean, as we get older, besides health is, is a big issue with a lot of us as we get older, but a lot, another big thing we get as we get older is, is needing answers. I mean, we don't, you know, my, my grandkids are trying to sort out their lives, and maybe they're trying to find answers too, but we're trying to find answers to God's to the great questions of life. And so we can rest assured that our God knows, even though we don't know, and He knows what, is going, what He's going to do, and God knew what he was going to do in this situation. When he asks Ezekiel, can these bones live? God knew exactly what he was about to do. Ezekiel didn't know, but God knew. But, it, but at the same time, even though God knew what he was going to do, he needed a man. He needed, he was waiting on the son of man. And I love that, that God calls Ezekiel the son of man because we're all sons and daughters of man. We're, in other words, it's, it's who we are. Sons and daughters of man, we're, we're, the, we're the son of man, we're the daughters of man. And so, in other words, it's just, it's just really emphasizing Ezekiel's humanity. And he was waiting on this son of man. Ezekiel's going to be a big part of answering this question, can these bones live? It's not going to be God alone. So God's looking for someone who will partner with him and join with him to see something happen in this valley of dry bones. Before I get into that, let me explain something that's happening in this chapter. You see, the dry bones represent something. Uh, Ezekiel is one of the, uh, it's very interesting because Ezekiel, in my opinion, is similar to Revelation, where God gave uh, John in the book of Revelation a lot of symbolism. He saw all kinds of strange things, beasts and serpents and all kinds of strange exotic things. And so, in, in, in a similar way, God is, is giving <clears throat> Ezekiel these val- this valley of dry bones, letting him look at it, and then telling him, giving him the explanation. We're going to jump ahead and look at the explanation in just a second. Uh, so we are going to get ahead a little bit, but this is important to what I want to share this morning, is that the valley of dry bones represents something. And uh, he, God is giving Ezekiel a dramatic image. He is telling a story. The dry bones portrayed the condition of his people. And for that matter, it it portrayed Ezekiel's own condition. And so we'll have to skip ahead to see this. The Valley of Dry Bones, uh, Ezekiel 37, verse 11. It's the state of all Israel. Here's what he says. Then he said to me, son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. Behold, they say, our bones are dried up and our hope is lost. We are indeed cut off. So there's three things here. The valley of dry bones represent dry bones and they represent a hope that is lost and they represent uh, this, this statement. We are cut off. And I looked at what, I looked at what that meant. It meant, it means to sever, but, but it means if you, if you can think of it this way, To cut off, meaning this, we're done. This is the end. We're, We're cut off here. There's nothing beyond here. And that might describe our lives at any given point. In other words, we feel, we feel hopeless at times and we feel like, I'm done. This is it. This is all. And so that's where they are right now. God is telling Ezekiel, this is the condition Of all of Israel right now. But that's not the way they've always been. That's not the way that and that's not the way we've always been. In other words, something has changed over time. These valley this valley of dry bones started out well, full of life, but now things are old and dead. God reminisces about the way Israel used to be several times in the scriptures and i'm going to give you one example in jeremiah chapter 2 verse 2 go and declare in the hearing of the people of israel this is what the lord says i have fond memories of you how devoted you were to me in your early years i remember how you loved me like a new bride you followed me through the wilderness through a land that had never been planted Can you hear God saying that about us sometimes? You know, I I remember how it used to be with you. See, the same thing happens with us, doesn't it? Our early days with God were amazing. We had such great passion about Him. We couldn't get enough of His Word. We loved hearing about Him. Uh, for that matter, we would never miss church. We just couldn't, we couldn't wait to go because we would hear about God and we would be with other people and we would be singing and all these kinds of things. And then slowly but surely, and sometimes suddenly, we find that, as B.B. King says, the thrill is gone. I mean, sometimes we find, we wake up one day and we think, what happened? Why don't I have that passion any longer? Maybe there's been too much disappointment in our life. Maybe maybe other things have distracted us from the things of God. Or sometimes it's just familiarity, which which doesn't breed contempt, in my opinion. I think familiarity breeds more familiarity. You know what I'm saying? We get so familiar with things that it becomes familiar. Now, we've heard that before. We've sung that before. We've done that before. We've heard that God loves us before. So familiarity breeds more familiarity, which breeds ultimately, I think, indifference and apathy. Whatever the reason is, there are times when we find that our first love, as it says in Revelation chapter 2, our first love has faded or diminished. That's why God tells one of the churches in in, uh, the book of Revelation chapter 2, Think verse four. He says, You've you've left your first love. And 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 we so we find that sometimes we just we just don't care. We're done. We're cut off. That's it. Hope is gone, we're cut off. Or perhaps we're just tired of trying. And we've lost all hope that anything will ever change. We've we've prayed, we've cried out, we've agonized, we've tried, and we've tried, and we just we've just grown weary of it all and our bones are dry and we were we are without hope we're done the comparison is dramatic from what we used to be in the beginning we're full of faith and hope and first love excited about everything that had to do with god his word and his and in church but now we ask ourselves again can these bones live can can there be I was thinking about this yesterday, and, and even though the title of the message is Can These Bones Live, I, ch- I, I changed it slightly, and I, I said, it's not just can these bones live, but can these bones live again? Because if you think about it, bones implies that there was life before, right? I mean, if you got bones there, you, you think, okay, that was once alive. That once had skin on it and was breathing. That was once alive. And so, maybe the the implication is can these bones live again? Let me tell you a story. It's a story I've been anxious to tell you for several days now i I wanted to tell it last Sunday, but I wasn't ready for the that uh, in 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 the scheme of the series i I knew I had to wait at least another Sunday to tell you and I told you. Before we even started the message this morning that this series of messages was, was born, and I actually told you this uh, two Sundays ago, the first Sunday I started this uh, series, that this this series of messages was born out of a couple of prophetic messages that were spoken over Lori and me while we were in Colorado um, a lot of, uh, several young people prayed and, and prophesied over us, and we're, we were thinking about this yesterday. We know it, I, I know, and I know his name. Caleb, if he happens to listen to this later on, he can hear his name. Caleb was one of them who, who mentioned the Valley of Dry Bones and, and speaking over Lori and me, not in a negative way, in a very positive way, but I went home thinking, okay. It's like I said the first Sunday, when somebody says, well, you've lost a lot of weight. You really look good. That's, that's implying, okay, you used to be fat and ugly. So I understand when somebody says, you know, the valley of dry bones means God's going to breathe life into you and blah, blah, blah. That means right now, hey, you're dry bones. And I get that. I understand that. And I accepted that. I accept, you know, Lori and I talked about it. Are we dry bones? Are there dry bones in our life? And we admitted, you know, there are areas in our life that are dry bones. Can we say that about this church? perhaps. So I'm just saying that those words spoke very strongly to us. we were trying to remember there was at least one other person that said that, but we couldn't remember who it was. But that's, that's how this series started. And this is my third message in this series. I preached the first one two Sundays ago. And again, the title is, Can These Bones Live? And when I started this series, I wasn't even sure what I was going to say. Because as I, as I have said so often and I said it earlier, is that these messages are me grappling with the Scripture to try to get answers for my own life. If somebody if somebody looks at me and says, you're dry bones, there's dry bones in your life, and I agree with that and I admit that and think, yeah, you're probably right, then I need to find out how to undry my bones, right? I need to, I need to find out how to, how to where to go from here, if that's true. And so the series came as a result of me looking at Ezekiel thirty-seven. So when I started the series, I have no, I had no clue what I was going to say about it. I just thought, okay, you're going to, you're going to go with me in my journey. The, the church is going to go with me in my journey as I, as I sort this out, and uh, just seek me seeking God for answers for myself. And, uh, and so I was asking myself these same question, the, the same question. I was asking myself, Michael can your dry bones live can these bones live well 3 days after i introduced this message 2 weeks ago so it would have been on a wednesday so 3 weeks uh, 3 3 days after i introduced this message i had a very extraordinary day i had a had a, I had 3 unexpected encounters that day throughout the day that seemed to build upon each other. It's like God put me with somebody and I thought, okay, that's that's really unusual. And then all of a sudden I was put with somebody else and okay, that fits with that. And it built upon what happened with the first encounter. And then the third one was just, blew, it just blew my mind. So the it, it just culminated in the, in the final encounter. The first, the first encounter that morning was, was with a longtime mentor of mine. The second one, uh, encounter was with, with a, a, a restored relationship that I had uh, recently restored a few weeks ago. And the third was an old friend that Lori and I had lost touch with. And Lori was with me for the third one. And I told her after the third one, I said, as we were driving home, I said, I said, we need to pay very careful attention to what God is trying to tell us here. Something's happening. God is trying to say something to us. It reminded me of what the Bible tells us about Mary. We'll put it up on the screen here, Luke chapter 2, verse 19. But Mary treasured up all these uh, these words, pondering in her heart. What they might mean, and i I thought about that. I thought we, we need to treasure these things in our heart and really think about what god is is saying to us so she paid Mary paid very close attention to an encounter that they had actually so here's the story I told you I was going to tell you. I had met the second man uh, for lunch in a local restaurant uh then uh i left that i left that restaurant uh and was back in that restaurant within two hours now i that that was quite unusual i I left the restaurant within two hours i was back with lori this time you know we've been known to go to the same restaurant two days in a row but never two hours apart and and don't judge me, please don't judge me. <laughs> the first encounter started ele- and the second encounter with the man in the restaurant started at eleven thirty. We were there till one. When I we were so engaged in conversation, I just moved my food around with my fork and I barely ate anything. So I didn't eat anything. I met with Lori. We 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 went to Twisted Sister to talk about the two encounters I'd had that morning, and then I uh, I, I realized my alarm went off to tell me that I had a haircut appointment at 2.30. The alarm went off at 2.30 telling me I had an appointment at 2.30. So I jumped up and I rushed down Main Street and went to my haircut. And then after that, we went back to the restaurant. Because I was hungry. I hadn't eaten. I have just barely picked up my food. So we went back. Lori went with me. And so two hours two hours after I left there, I was back in there. That, that in itself was unusual because we could have chosen any other restaurant in town. I've already been there. I've already tasted a few bites of the food. Let's go somewhere different. But no, we went back to the same restaurant. So that in itself was unusual. And while we were sitting there, Lori pointed out a man sitting at a table near to us, and it was a very old and dear to our heart friend we had not seen in a good while because he doesn't live here any longer. And so we we wanted to go and just, you know, fall all over him and hug him and stuff like that. But he was with some other people, so we waited and we waited until he was done. At which point, we went over and we greeted him, gave him a big hug, and he came over and joined us at our table, and, and we sat and reminisced for an hour and a half. So we'd already been there for a good while, and we sat. I was in that restaurant half my, half my day, I think. And so I, I, I was questioning him. I, I, I said, "What's going on? what's been going on in your life the last few years? And, uh, and he told us his story. So I'm telling you my story, but now I'm going to tell you his story. He had lost his wife a number of years earlier, and we had shared in his loss at her funeral. And after that, he pretty much kept to himself, and he didn't get out much. And he did that for about four years. Until one night he had a dream. And it was like a message sent from God. God. It's time to go on with life. Okay? It's time to go on with life. So he started venturing out a little bit. And he, he started taking trips with friends. They'd been, in, been being invited by friends. They'd kept saying no. And so finally he decided he'd go out with some friends and de- take some trips. And they actually visited a number of places around the world with his companions. Until one visit in a, in a town, small town in a European city. One of them called to his heart, came back home, and uh, before long, he went to his adult daughter, and he said, and by the way, the man is 82 years old when he goes to his daughter. He's older than that now. He goes to his daughter. He's 82 years old at this point, and he informs his daughter. He said, I've decided I'm moving east. And she said, Dad, you don't know anybody on the East Coast. And he said, farther east. And she said, that's the Atlantic Ocean. And she said, and he said, farther east. And she said, you're going, you're going back to that town, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. So talk about not knowing anybody on the East Coast. He, he didn't know a soul in this Europe... In this, in this European town, well, in a town in, in Italy, didn't know the language, didn't know a single person. He packs two bags, two suitcases, all he could cram into two suitcases and bought a one-way ticket to this country at 82 years old. And when he arrived, he, he, he didn't speak the language, so he had to find somebody that spoke English to ask how to get to this town. And they said, well, you take this train to Rome... And when you get to Rome, you take another train to this to this town. So he, he finds his way and he he misses some things and gets there late and the lady who he's gonna do a B and B for a while and the lady meets him there because she figures he, he must be lost and she takes him in and and he's been living there ever since. And and he absolutely loves it he speaks of it with great joy. He he told me, he said, I often tell God, God, if this isn't heaven, I can't imagine how much greater it will be. And he's living a quiet and simple life. And as he told his story, as I was listening to this, and you have to understand, you know, this is just a story to you. But to me, by the time I heard this story after these first two encounters, I was primed. It's like God, as Pierre was saying, prepared the way of the Lord. Because as he's telling the story, man, I'm just, I'm just being stirred inside. I'm not moving to a little town in Italy, by the way. But I'm being stirred by that. And I stopped him at one point, and I, and I, I told him, I said, just three days earlier, I, I started a series called Can These Bones Live? And I said, you are living proof that bones can, these bones can live. You are living proof of that. You were you had when your wife died. You died with her, in a sense. Your soul died. You spent four years doing nothing, and now you feel like you're in heaven. You you feel like your life has been restored. And 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 I I told him I said you're also like Abraham, because the Bible says by faith Abraham went out not knowing where. He was going, and I said, that's, that's you. you, 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 you what, how brave you are at 82 years old to pack two bags and go to a place you don't know the language, don't know a soul, and you've been living there ever since. And you even, He's even gotten involved in the community, and he goes and does uh, volunteer work in some of the basilicas around there and stuff like that. And I think, my, my goodness, he's... Now, let me get back to Ezekiel. Ezekiel represents Israel. Ezekiel himself represents Israel. The message was to all of Israel. Remember, God said to Ezekiel, let me tell you what the Valley of Dry Bones are. This is the whole house of Israel. This is all of Israel, and this is what they're saying. Our bones are dry, our hope is lost, and we are cut off. But Ezekiel is Israel too. He's part of Israel. So it's, it's, a, it's both, a, both a personal word to Israel but it's also a corporate word to all of Israel. So in a, in a similar way, this is a personal word to Michael Derringer, but it's a collective word to all of you. And that's why I'm preaching this. It's not preaching this just to me. So Ezekiel, is he represents Israel. And God was waiting on Ezekiel. Think about this. God could have taken Ezekiel around through the valley of dry bones, said, look at this, look at this valley of dry bones, and then God could have said, now watch this, poof, and they're all back to life. God could have done that, right? He has the power to do that. God could have said, watch what I'm about to do, and suddenly they come to life. But he didn't do that, did he? He said, ezekiel can these bones live well god oh lord god you know he said okay so i want you to get involved this is what i want you to do i want you to prophesy to these bones god could have done it without ezekiel but he he wants to use ezekiel he wants ezekiel to be involved in the answer and you are you and i are involved in the answer we cannot sit back passively and just expect god to go poof you're alive again we have to be involved in the answer Can these bones live? Oh, Lord God, you know. And God says, yes, I do know. And you're going to be part of that. And you're going to be involved in that. So he could have said, instantly raised a living, breathing army. But instead he wants Ezekiel to be involved. And Ezekiel must respond to the word of the Lord that he had heard. Now listen to me carefully. Because the rest of what I'm going to say is important to, to this whole thing. Ezekiel has to respond to the word that he had heard. God told Ezekiel to prophesy. Ezekiel must respond to that. They're not going to come alive unless Ezekiel does that. Unless Ezekiel obeys the word of the Lord. Now, I had assumed when I first started this, remember I said when I started this series, I had no idea what I was going to say. I had no idea where God was going to take me through this. I had no idea what the revelation was that God was going to give me. And I had assumed all along that when we get to the prophesy part, that the answer is going to simply be, okay, everybody just has to prophesy to themselves and and then you'll come alive again. I don't think that it's not that it's not as simple. That would be the simple and obvious answer and that's that's not it today that's not what god was saying to me so it'd be easy for me this morning to simply say everyone's answer just prophesy and just speak to your dry bones and everything will change but i think that's too easy and too generic and too obvious and and not that you shouldn't do that or can't do that or ought not to at least try that okay but here's what i here's what i feel like god was saying to me Ezekiel had to respond to whatever God was telling him to do. And you have to respond to whatever God is telling you to do. It may be to prophesy. It may be to go do this. It may be to go do that. You have to respond to whatever God is saying to you to do. For whether it's prophesying to dry bones or or packing your bags and leaving your country. Whatever it is, you have to respond to whatever God is saying to you. And that's why I think there's a significant line we can easily pass over if we're not careful in Ezekiel 37 verse 4. Look at it again. Then he said to me, Prophesy over these bones and say to them, Oh dry bones. And here's the line, Hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel heard the word of the Lord and responded to that. And now Ezekiel is telling the bones, Bones, Hear the word of the Lord, whatever that word is. And I'm telling you, bones, whatever, whatever those bones are, hear the word of the Lord. Ezekiel had already heard and he responded. And now it's time for all Israel to hear the word of the Lord. I find it very interesting when I, when I was writing my notes yesterday and I wrote that line about you've left your first love. Uh, I went and looked at that passage because, because I, God kind of connected a dot with me. For me uh i went and looked at that passage that that word was written to a specific church in the book of revelation and at the end of his message to that church this is what he said we'll put it up here he who has an ear let him hear what the spirit says to the churches so in in that in a very similar fashion god is telling this church Listen, you've left your first love. What do you do about it? Hear what the Spirit is saying. Listen to what, hear the word of the Lord and, and respond to it, act on it. Obey the word of the Lord. So very simply, here's what I'm saying to you this morning. Some of you may identify with, with this description of being dry bones this morning. Lori and I admit it, we certainly do. In some areas of our life, we certainly believe that. And God is saying to us, and saying to you, hear the word of the Lord. Obey the word that you hear and come alive. That means we need to listen, doesn't it? That means we need to listen to the word of the Lord. And, uh, and by the way, if you don't hear the word of the Lord, it's not his fault. It's not because he's not talking. It's because you're not listening. It says, he who has an ear, hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And I feel like that Lori and I are hearing that. We talked, talked about it quite a bit yesterday. We, we, went, we, we went back to that day about 10 days ago when we had that encounter, and I said, remember, we had that encounter, and we were driving away, and I said, we, we, need, to, we need to not forget what God is, is saying to us here. And so we, we talked about that, and we feel like we're getting some understanding of what God is saying to us, and... and and then it is incumbent upon us to not only hear the word of the Lord, but then obey the word of the Lord, and we feel like that then God, the breath of God will come and life will come. And that, I've, that's why I feel so tied up with this message this morning, in a good way, uh, because I feel like it's, it's very, very personal for us and, and, personal for, and, and personal for us as a church as well. And I hope I shared it. in in a way in which you've received it and understood it because I really feel like that God is saying something to us all, both individually but then corporately as a a church as well. And um, hear the word of the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord this morning, whatever that is. And like I said, it may be to prophesy, and I hope it's not pack your bags and leave the country. But if that's what God says to you and that's what has to happen before you come alive, then you need to obey the word of the Lord, right? Amen.